0: Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series, from current events to fascinating finds, to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor at Conduit Church in Franklin, Tennessee, joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler. Good afternoon, Darren. Hi, Mo. And we are going to wrap up the first threat of the triple threat Yeah. today. Well, you kind of wrapped it up on Sunday with your teaching of, of Romans 12 and finishing that up. One threat down, a couple to go. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, it's funny. I was actually super stoked, maybe even today, to
1: start the second threat. <laughs> um, yeah, you're pretty excited about this. I know, right? Like the, my inner charismatic is like just like a horse trying to get out of the barn, but... Uh, There was definitely enough response to Sunday, questions, comments, whatever, that we thought we probably better put a a finer point from uh, Romans 12.
0: Yeah, at least put a period on it. I mean, we've spent a lot of time in it. You've spent the past 18 months to 24 months. Yeah, Yeah, you know, maybe that's why I was so excited to get on, because I've been in this for like two years almost,
1: writing 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 it. And writing a book about it. Yeah, this is like what it feels like to to be Mercy Me and singing I Can Only (laughs) Imagine (laughs) Every Night.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I remember, this is kind of a name drop, but uh, back in the day when we were in the industry, hanging out one time side stage with um, Dan Hasseltine. Oh, Dan. And from Jars of Clay, and they were, you know, getting ready to go up, and I asked him, like, do you you get tired of playing Flood? You know, because they've played that song. I don't... Tens of thousands of times. I don't know. Hundred, what you, I mean, what hundreds this, what of times. What year would this have been? Okay. So this would have been 2014, Okay, 13. Oh, oh, dear Lord. Yeah. So at that point. That's almost 20 years in. 20 years of their hit song over and over again. Okay. Big song. Yeah. But, you know, he was like, yeah, I mean, uh, I, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of tired of it. But at the same time, you know, it pays the bills. Right. Um yeah that's
1: the thing about those young bands especially they get out there they want to do the new stuff but you know bon jovi if he goes out there and just plays the new record i want my money back want right. money. you want the
0: hits I'm right i want you living on a prayer baby which is why it's been kind of cool over uh, the past few weeks you know a- as part of this series in starting this series you've been you know super passionate about these past teaching these past three weeks because it's familiar you've you've lived it you've You've dissected it, and and that's kind of, evident of evidence of what it looks like to be completely immersed in the Word. You come to an understanding, or at least a decent understanding, enough to, to relay and teach in a way that's full of passion.
1: Yeah, that's fair, because that is... Um, like, if I were to take this all the way back, like, the first time I remember even he- thinking or hearing or thinking, wait, these seven gifts, like, they actually might... It might be kind of like a personality profile. It was like mm. this thought that was sort of in, paralleled with, well, what about these other three? And and I, yeah, and I just went heads down off and on over 10 years to a place now where I'm actually, I actually am passionate about it. And if, if there's one thing that has been encouraging has been the amount of positive feedback from people who have read the book, heard the... The sermon, I got a text message yesterday from, oh, I guess I can't say names because I didn't ask for permission, but somebody in our church family that we all know and love. And uh, she was at prayer and she's, um, you know, a little older, uh, does not not nearly as old as it used to be when I was like 20. Now I right. don't seem that old at all. But saying, like we had like tears coming out her face saying, I, I wish I would have known this when I was mm. younger to yeah. finally, like I kind of know my purpose now. And there was, so... To me, that's like very encouraging that right. God is using this not just for me and my purpose, but for others
0: as well, which is probably why we need to kind of put a point on this Yeah. We move on. Yeah, and so with Romans 12 and kind of wrapping up this particular chapter, one of the things that you brought up this week um, in the teaching was this idea of uniformity versus unanimity. Mm. Um, and you were sharing a little bit, earlier today as we were talking, um, that you maybe didn't get to specifically on Sunday, which is why we have a deeper podcast. Exactly why we have um, a deeper podcast. Kind of, kind of where this concept or where this idea came from in terms of uniformity. Yeah, uh, some of the people that would
1: listen know of a guy named Jordan Peterson, who is uh, probably one of the smartest people on the planet mm. Um, like he's, he's the kind of guy when he's speaking, you could almost see the smoke coming out of his ears because it's just moving so quickly. Yeah. But back in 2017, he's a professor at the University of Toronto. He actually first became famous because he was somebody a few years back that said, um, I am not going to use a quote unquote preferred pronoun for somebody this is where he first came on the scene saying okay, yeah this isn't about free speech that's about forced speech which was an interesting take on that because he was in Toronto and they were threatening to take away his license and his credentials because he refused to call somebody by a quote-unquote preferred pronoun sure. uh, legally mandated and so of course the internet went uh, apoplectic yeah, over it I because uh, but that's part of what he was driving at with this and this uniformity versus unanimity. And he, I, I don't know if we can post this somewhere. If you search it, I'm sure you could find it. It's about a 15-minute talk. From It was posted in 2017. And he was referencing why and the correlation to and the connection between totalitarian governments and pathogens. Hmm interesting viruses like disease Hmm. 2017 and he's there's these studies that have been done that uh dictators totalitarians hugo chavez is of the world right that countries that have a higher percentage or higher risk of pathogenic disease have a higher rate of totalitarian governments and then, of course, he does a way more masterful job than I'm doing of explaining sure. it. Sure. But he goes yeah. back, and of course, everybody does. Right? You have to go back to Hitler. But Hitler was taking four showers or baths a day. Like it was, it wasn't just about clean. Uh, racially, it was pathogenically. He was like a germaphobe. He would bathe four times a day, interesting, scrubbing him. And so, but what he was driving at—that's be that as it may was that in those environments, the totalitarian are uh, demanding uh, uniformity. And when you see uh, Chinese, for instance, soldiers marching, uh, everybody can go back and remember uh, German soldiers and the the high steps, the high arms and walking, that that was about the uniformity, about losing everything, everyone, every part of who you are and becoming only who the dictator is, period. Yeah. And the difference between uniformity, which again, that's what we are experiencing a lot in our culture the not just free speech, but forced speech. Yes. You have to say this, you have to say these words, you have to, that in this Romans 12, this is not about me losing who God created me to be, losing everything that makes me unique so that then I can only become Uh, uniformity with everybody else. This is saying the opposite, which is unanimity, is that what makes Mo, who Mo is, what makes Darren who Darren is, is actually these seven gifts. And on the contrary, instead of us being less of who we are, the more of who we are, who God created us to be, then the more unanimity we have in it. That I'm allowed to be uh, what God created me to be. And the part of me that is in need the most is who God then surrounds me with to complete that in me. That old Tom Cruise, you complete me. <laughs> uh, was, that the, uh, was that the Jerry Maguire? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Great film. Yeah, right. And it was Renee Zellweger, right? You're right. I, I'm telling you, I am a pop, cu- if I am nothing else, <laughs> I am a pop culture genius. Uh, also because Renee Zellweger used to date Kenny Chesney. <laughs> and she used to eat at the uh, the Caribbean place up in Cool Springs where oh, I would it's eat and Calypso, so, the Calypso Cafe. That's right. And so, uh, yeah, that. so Renee and she didn't seem happier that she was here. I don't know. She, sure. c- celebrities move here; they're happy about it. She never felt like she was very happy about it. But Kenny Chesney would get out of the Calypso Cafe, <laughs> and he had this truck with a, I don't know that lift kit is the right word for it. And here's yeah. the reason why Kenny Chesney had a huge upper body. He needed it to get up into the truck. He'd have to put both hands and hoist himself. It was actually quite a miraculous thing. (laughs) You complete me is a Hollywood romantic thing born in the way that we were designed. When they say opposites attract, that is actually true. But when we come together as opposites, uh, if we only allow the world to define, conform to the pattern of this world, and the enemy uses what God meant to unite us as a thing to divide us from each other. Uh, so back to the uniformity, we're not... He didn't want us to be uniformity. He's not looking for us to... Like, the, the, in front of the throne of Revelation, there aren't going to be, like, millions of Christians all doing, like, high-step marching.
0: Which is interesting because I feel like... Now, track with me here. I feel like there's a sense of that happening in the world. Oh, man, yeah. In terms of artificial intelligence that we are then patterned mm. into their design yeah uniformed the edges rubbed off through censored speech you have to fit this mold um a total totalitarianism yeah. yeah you did it you did it it's yeah, a big word um so that we fit into this thing this uniformed thing that then is used in in with uh um, you know, computations and algorithms that fits into the mold that we're supposed to, yeah, to follow a, and yeah. be compliant. Yeah. And so that was one of the notes that I wrote down in, um, on, from Sunday's message is uniformity is compliance. Unanimity is completeness. Oh, wow. Well, you should have preached on Sunday. That was really good. Mo yeah. say that again so that they can write it down. Uniformity is compliance and unanimity is completeness. Hmm. This idea of, you complete me. Yeah, you complete me. <laughs> the the each individual person brings their part to the table that completes what it is that we're supposed to be together. Yeah, the 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 unifying um, component of all of us together. The the power of the seven, the unity that comes from that. There's a comp- there's a completion. Yeah, and what is interesting
1: when I think through that. Um, a lot of what we're hearing this week uh, on socials, for those of you like me, dumb enough to still be on social media, I know, right? um, you're hearing a lot of people from left wing progressive sides saying to people who would have voted for uh, Donald Trump that we just can't move on. Like forgiveness isn't just that we you have to earn it; you have to show. And I'm seeing a lot of progressive Christians saying that and using some framing, some sort of a language. thats mm. It's not like Abraham Lincoln, right, saying, like, for the greater good of our nation, we have to come together. We have to not punish this or punish that, the exact opposite of it. But here's the, what I'm driving at is that when you read into what they're really saying is that you have to now tell me that you oh, agree with what I think is true, that I believe is true Act like I want you to act, and until then, there is no unity in this. Yeah, that's uniformity. Yes, not unanimity. Yes, and uh, and I would go so far as to say, when you take that even a deeper look into it, like when you read, you I can almost know who somebody is on where they are on the gift thing and how you know health conformed versus transformed. Just based on social media, right? Right. You'll see somebody who might say, "Look, I don't even want to talk about politics anymore. I just want to only what's good. That's the purpose of social media. That's that's probably an encourager who's just uncomfortable with the uh, the uncomfort of this. Yeah, I just want to feel the, the, the good vibes." Mm-hmm. Um. A, a lot of times when somebody is, uh, these people are doing it all wrong, um, and, and most times it's cloaked in a sheen of. Love, so'm I'm, I'm quote unquote calling this person out because I love them right that is a, a t- in my estimation a guardian who is not con- conformed to the pattern of this world and mm. safety means I have to c- control you mm. as opposed to transformed guardians who are saying hey you know this is there's some serious stuff going on but we can you know we know it's coming let's be prepared like there's a di- sure. you can feel it in the giftings of it and yeah. you can feel where the division could come and you could see why Paul would say to this little you know rough and tumble scrappy little church in rome uh surrounded on all sides the new president nero hey you guys we're gonna have to get along uh we have actual real enemies out there who really want to bring harm to us so right. instead of you throwing rocks at each other let's circle the wagons and love each other yeah and give each other room to be that to right. be the guardian to be the discerner to be the visionary and to recognize the the, the the untransformed part to be able to call myself to a better so it's not just an excuse for bad behavior for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, it's, uh, it's a, a path, a platform for empathy for someone else. Um, right. I feel like we have that every week in our staff meeting. Um, we, we have every gift represented in that circle. Which is pretty cool. It is... And I'd like to say that it was an accident, but we've been very purposeful, whatever language we've been using, personality, profile, whatever, to, to try to have somebody there mm-hmm. represented amongst all of us. Yeah. And so we have those kinds of uh, tension. Sometimes it's strife. But I feel like eventually we come back to realizing, okay, I was acting out of a bad, a conformed, fearful part of me mm-hmm. and allowing that part to be transformed Renewing of my mind, um, it, it helps, and it helps me. I'd say empathy-wise, Keith Moore is our longtime AV guy,
0: sound engineer.
1: Yeah, that one. And for the longest time, I would have thought he was a visionary because he's pretty uh, direct. Um, but when we did the, I got the book. We got the. We did the My Life Gifts, and he he came out of, uh, as a guardian, and it was like. I had like a Xanadu moment,
0: <laughs> Xanadu,
1: because a guardian when I'm at, when we're shooting ideas, the guardian is going to immediately for the most part going to say, well, th- we can't do this, or it's going to be hard because of this, or we have to think through, and it's not a failure. They're literally thinking through, you're thinking through, everything that could go wrong, so that we don't have to go through those things because we've already thought about them. And through the pandemic moment, that was Keith in every meeting, I'm like, what? who is this guy? I thought he's the visionary. Why does he keep? Yeah. pushing back at everything i say and i remember telling him one time i need you to bring you know bring the visionary to this meeting if you're going to do this and anyway took the test I'm like
0: oh there he is <laughs> there
1: he is which is why we always had the cables all the batteries were all charged everything was all thought through because that's what guardians do i mean we yeah. had he was the guy protecting everything before it left this building getting into the front lines of the televisions and uh, right. whatever it was him he was the guardian of it all and so yeah. He and I have different... We have the same conversation, but a different angle on it. And it brings unanimity to our church just in that one
0: interaction alone. And to kind of to that point, even for yourself, you showed some vulnerability on Sunday, a little bit. Did you think that was vulnerable? Because I think of Oprah, when I think vulnerable... it. It's maybe that's
1: the untransformed <laughs> part of me because I, I actually kind of like hurt my feelings. <laughs> vulnerable, me? Like anyway, sorry. Uh, you're allowed to be. I've heard that like two or three times, but I just thought vulnerable. I, I thought it meant crying. If I'm being honest, and I didn't. No,
0: cry it's just being honest to those listening to in public per se, or um, just you, you weren't couching anything. You were just being honest and truthful, um, kind of about your your progress or process over the past 12 months <laughs> um,
1: process is probably a better phrase than yeah. progress. I'm still on the process
0: And in, and, in, and you, the point was the difference between impress and impact as it pertains to delivering your gift. Yeah. And for you over the past 12 months or so, it was, it's been a bit of a journey maybe transitioning from impress impressing others, from your knowledge or your delivery or teaching and you know, sermon writing, etc., transitioning that and focusing that into yeah. an impact and what the impact is or can be from sharing the truth. Yeah. Cause
1: it is funny. I say year and you saying year and it's about right, but it's really like it's like years. Plural. Well, sure. Yeah.
0: But it came to a head about it, a year ago yeah. in, in service
1: even. Yeah. Well, What's funny? It was. It was actually more than that. But we've like 2020 doesn't really count as That's a year. That's true.
0: You know, it's probably been two now. <laughs> I know,
1: it's, 2020 I, is I know. a blur. But yeah, I was. And, and with all of this, the, the conform to this world thing of Romans 12, the pattern of this world, um, the gift that God has in us. So the gift that you have for seeing what could go wrong or think through and to make sure it gets done right, that is a gift. Like it comes from a really good place in you, and for me, the idea of wanting to know this and get it right actually comes from the gift itself and the wound part. The right. conform to the pattern of this world part would look out in that room and say, "So good part is, hey, this is a good thing. Somebody's going to give up an hour and a half of their week and come sit with us on a Sunday. Yeah. Okay, that's a, that's like a." big deal. They came here. They they literally, there are amazing churches everywhere. There's a lawn that needs mowed. There's a bed that could be slept in. And for some reason they came here. The least that I could do is like the gift I could give them is preparation, give them that experience, honor them with that. So that comes from a good place. And then it gets to the bad place, which is, well, what's it going to take? I've got to be smarter than them. I got to I'm sitting in this room with these people that are super brilliant all around, and they've heard it all a hundred times before. And one of the ones I joked about was was Doctor Easley because Doc. I remember. I mean, the first time he visited us on a Sunday, I was like, "What? Sure, why is what he are here? You doing here? <laughs> he, he just had stepped down at a church he'd been pastoring at. And if you don't know, he was the president of Moody Bible Institute for ten years. He was pastored at Emmanuel in Washington D.C. for ten years, and here in uh, Franklin area, he'd been uh, lead pastor at Fellowship Bible Church, and so I'm like, dude, why are you? Why are you not sitting by the pool, drinking a mai tai? <laughs> like, it's you don't have to be here. What am I going to say? And, sure. And I said it in a sort of, oh shucks, way, and also in a very genuine way. Sure. Right. Um. But he is just one example of God, someone, and men, women, both. And we, you know, said. Donna Van Leer, and I got an email from Donna today. She felt really bad. She's like, I don't want you to ever, my gift to feel like, which is, you know, hilarious because it's not her fault. Like, she didn't do that. You you know Donna. She would have intentionally done any of that. This is all on me and my pattern. And so what I was doing was working very, very hard. Yeah. 30 hours a week preparing. Yeah. Preparing, 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 preparing. Trying to get something that would sound completely, you know whatever and uh and yeah, about a year and a half, two years a year, we don't even know anymore on a sunday I, I was I was having and I'd been having him and I was telling Mo about them ahead of time, but it finally became unmanageable, like panic attacks on sundays, and it felt like that idea of a car accident like but if you've had a car accident like while you're having it, like this yeah. f- slow motion, this totally. But there's no car accident and there's no Bigfoot or whatever. And that's that's that feeling. And, and what was happening was that my body was firing off chemicals of danger. Because apparently, that kind of adrenaline is the same adrenaline that's used for that, for danger. And so, for some reason, my brain was attaching danger to the stage. Yeah. And firing off all these chemicals. And then I learned... <laughs> I've offered my body as a living sacrifice, not to God, but my body was being offered as a living sacrifice to the congregation. Yeah. And that's not even like hyperbole. Like my body was firing off chemicals. My body was heart rate was rising. My body was sweating because I was offering it to the wrong person. Yeah. And coming back to that idea of what I really, if, if, if I have any goal at all, it shouldn't be to fascinate someone, Sure. right? But to literally move the needle of discipleship in their hearts, which is where the, the language of, you know, I, felt, I don't know if it was a thus saith the Lord, but my job is not to come in here and impress anyone. My job is to let the Holy Spirit impact them. Yes. And that has been a challenge for me to come back and say, okay, so what is the impacting moment of this? This sounds very impressive if I could know this. A Jordan Peterson pathogenic whatever that's impressive right that's fascinating but does that really move people's hearts right and uh and so my challenge has been to allow that gift to me to be transformed right which is by the renewing of my mind and the renewing of my mind is it is not my job to fascinate it's not my job to impress it's my job to deliver the gift and let the gift do the impacting for it
0: you talked about a living sacrifice um and the the kind of the the Greek word there, um, how do you pronounce it? Energema. Energema. <laughs> so you're thinking of the word from First
1: Corinthians 12, 12, verse six. Yes. Energ Energema. Energema, which is Sorry, from Doc. easily go ahead and send that email now because yeah, I'm thanks, sure I'm thanks, Doc. he's not listening. To from this. the word living. So right. It's so it's from so here's where that comes from. It, he he talks about in First Corinthians 12, verse six. That there are different kinds of workings, different kinds of gifts, but the same God, it work in them. And that word work in them is living, the oh, life wow. of them there, which is where it connects to Romans 12, 6, the life Got it. of it. That's that energy of your life. It's like, what it means is that when I'm, when I'm delivering that gift uh, without shame or whatever, like I actually come pretty alive.
0: Yeah, freedom. Yeah. Yeah, you 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 mentioned this statement we've been so afraid of dying that we've stopped living. Yeah. And oh yeah. I have a I have a, a family member, which will rename remain, remain nameless, um, that this is this is her life where she has absolutely uh, stopped living because she's afraid of dying at any given moment. Wow. It's like it's like the chicken little yeah. s- syndrome. I mean, to the extreme. Yeah. And it's sad. And like I, you know, we have other family members that try to cheer her on and bring her out of it. And, you know, it's that it's almost like the guardian in her, which I believe she is. Yeah. I promise you um, she is. Has gone to the far wounded side, which Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's I'm positive there's wounds there. Yeah. um, Where. The the, the the realism. So most guardians say that they're realists.
1: Oh, yeah. Isn't that the truth? Everybody I'm just re- else. I'm just being realistic. Right. Like that a meteor is going to hit us from space. Yeah.
0: Every um, every guardian you meet will say that they're a realist. I promise you. I say that I'm a realist. Yeah. Everybody around them calls them pessimists. <laughs> <laughs> but she is truly... She's, she's... The wounded side of her. I mean, she's a pessimist. She truly believes that... It will go wrong, and it is wrong, and she will be hurt, and she will die from from a splinter. Yeah, uh, you know, it takes it all the way to the far yeah. end, and that's like the, the wounded part. That and so when you said that, you know, you'd be so afraid of dying that you stop living. That's an extreme example, um, but I think there's other. Examples I think around we're us. surrounded by that though, right now,
1: mm-hmm. even as a culture. Um, I, I would I would proffer that most people that find themselves in epidemiology, virology, whatever. If you were to look at them on a personality profile, they're going to be a C. They're going to be either a six or a one on the Enneagram. They're going to because they're very mathematical about it. It's very practical speaking. And so they know that. So, in fact, when they talk about things like when you hear if you get into an argument about whether a mask works or not in Micah, we might have to edit this out. I don't know. This might be too much. The question that is does a mask work or not, is actually not the right question. The question is, how much does it work? Right. Right? And so you're having two different conversations with them. But the one who is uh, the virologist who might have be living in it with a sense of fear, Now I'm not, this is the part where I'm going to get myself in trouble. If you have a pre-existing condition, if you are in a higher risk category, can I say this maybe? The, the virologists who are honest refer to it as the Swiss cheese method. Uh, you put enough pieces of Swiss cheese in front of you, eventually you'll cover all of the holes. Yes. And so the debate has been, do masks work or not? And the answer, in short, if you've got a cloth, if you've got a piece of underwear over your face, it doesn't do that much. Sure. Which is why I promise you, Google it right now. They're talking in the New York Times, Joe Biden. Look at all the congressmen and senators. They're all wearing two masks and yes. one of them is an N95 mask. Yes. Double masks. Yeah. If, you,
0: if you just Google or Twitter search double masks, Yeah. it's the new, it's, yeah. it's all the rage. Yep. <laughs>
1: and here's the thing. They've been bringing it up, honestly, since like October, September last year. That was the first time I heard St. Fauci bring it up. Yeah. But the Saint point Fauci. is that now there's this sense of fear from them because if you worked in an ER, maybe this is a better metaphor. Um, and all you see all day long are kids from car accidents who have been tied up into pretzels. Right? Who, here's the kid and, oh, by the way, here's his arm. It's coming in another bag. Sure. That's all you see. Then you are going to think that that is all that happens out there. And so you're not making decisions based on the, the totality of something, but on this little something. And my point is, is that if you're in an unhealthy place as a guardian, then... If it could go wrong, then it will go wrong, no matter what the percentage is.
0: Self-fulfilling prophecy.
1: Yeah, it is. And I know this because I, and man, I wish I'd have known it while she was alive. It would have made our relationship so much better. My mother was that. The most conformed to the pattern of this world guardian maybe ever. Um, which is weird because she would, you know free range. May I joke about that?
0: Sure. But her
1: answer to everything was no, her answer to everything was fear. And, but the pattern of this world that she was conformed to started when she was little. Mm-hmm. Um, and my grandfather, and we only found this out like, uh, 20 some years into it because uh, my, my grandmother was in advanced stages of Alzheimer's. And so she's, I'm home for Christmas. I've got Shannon sitting with me. This is a true story. They're all with Jesus now. So I can say this, <laughs> And my grandma was like yelling at my grandpa. We didn't even know she had started in Alzheimer's about this um, bleep. She used colorful metaphors, which was the first sign something was up because she never did that. And what we learned later was that not only had had my grandfather had an affair when they were younger, they divorced while they were younger. My mother and her mom moved back to my hometown while grandpa stayed in Denver for like three years. Wow. So of course she's scared. And of course, nobody mentions that to Darren. Like I, That's literally the first time I am by that point 26 years old and had never heard any First of, time to hear the ne- story. Never came up over Thanksgiving or whatever. But uh, it helped me to learn that. So the wound, the pattern of this world for her was that uh, if it can go wrong, it will. And to, the only way to, to keep from getting hurt is then to protect yourself from that. Don't risk anything. Don't get out there. The pattern of this world put her in that place. I think that the pattern of this world is what's causing people right now to be so afraid of dying that they they 're afraid to live yeah right. and again, if you have the higher risk, you know there are people out there but but, but golly man if you 're twenty five right now and you've got children that are four and five years old yes I, I want you to be conformed not to the pattern of this world, but transformed right by the renewing of your mind, which is, man, there's a big world out there right now. And thank goodness that the, this is where we are with this, but allow that your mind to, to whatever wound is trapping you in that. And and by the way, that's not just guardians, right? Yes. Cause I think that uh, my friends that are encouragers, their ditch would be, well, it's just the cold who cares. everywhere is nobody's in danger or whatever. It's just missing it. All yeah, cause they don't want to, cause there's, they don't want to feel bad about anything. And so, you know, I, there were friends I had throughout this that I was like, wait, you went to work and you had it like and by the way, there were laws in place. So, you know, don't tell me that well, we just need more laws because that wasn't going to change it. Right. What we need is more transformed hearts, Yeah. Uh, whether it's in this season or the next to come, uh, whether Jesus returns or not. I, I actually believe that our, part of our transformed bodies will be the fullest expression of whatever this discerner thing is in me, the f- fullest guardian in you. Like we're never gonna have all seven of them. We all have that glimpse of Jesus in it, and one day we're all gonna step into that. I'll just be the fullest version of what a discerner, a teacher would be forever.
0: And you will be the guardian forever. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much conformity right now that it's it's it just feels so black and white. Like all or nothing, one side or the other, drawing hard lines. And it is possible to have a balanced approach to to this to yes. to the to the virus. Yeah, and I would say, if I could take a step
1: further, as far as Christians go, right now, there are going to be differences uh, in doctrine with us. Uh, that's nothing new; that's been around for two thousand years. But man, let's not let that be what divides us. Here's one thing I'm thinking of, and I'm going to say something very specific. uh, And the email is info. No, it's right. Mo at (laughs) conduitchurch.com. There are people that I know and I love that look at what's going on with Bethel, Bill Johnson, and they would put him in the exact same category as like Rob Bell and uh, Brian McLaren, like progressive Christianity folks. Me personally, I don't think that's helpful. First of all, because I don't think it's true. First uh, John four: the spirit of antichrist is this: that if you don't believe that Jesus was buried, resurrected, if you don't believe that He's the living Jesus, like that's the spirit of antichrist. Like He actually tells us in First John: here's how to not get divided amongst what you believe. This is non-negotiable. Right. You ask Stan Mitchell. You ask Rob Bell. Brian McLaren. Name your whatever. And they will all, if they're in an honest moment, Richard Rohr included, will say they'll start talking in terms of uh, Christ and Christ consciousness, which is just Hindu Mm -hmm. with Jesus on it. Like there isn't a literal Jesus. It's this Christ consciousness that whatever. That is not Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson would say to you, Jesus Christ was buried, resurrected, right? Crucified for the atonement of our sins. Now, does he believe things theologically that I don't sure do I believe things he doesn't absolutely and we're all gonna get to heaven and we're all gonna go oh wow we all have this not quite all right (laughs) and in my opinion if God was that concerned about these things that are sort of tertiary I think he would have written the Bible differently it would have been very list driven perhaps I don't know sure but it allows me to say that look I don't think people should be walking out going to the, the shopping mall I guess I'm getting to next week's teaching by the way just laying hands on everybody you see right That's atheist training for teenagers. Mm. So so I don't necessarily like that that's one of the things that Bethel does. But that doesn't make them heretics and it doesn't make them progressives. They still believe Jesus Christ was crucified, buried, resurrected. And quite honestly, what I want is I want more of their faith. (laughs) Like I like the idea of this is a big God and we should ask big things. So doctrinally speaking, that's important. But most of what we're seeing right now that I'm seeing that's being called abuse. Um, It's being called spiritual abuse. It's being called narcissism. Now, are those things out there? Sure. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Henry Cloud wrote a book called Necessary Endings. Highly recommended. Okay? So I'm not, I don't mean to, whatever. Don't hear me say what I'm not saying. But for the most part, what I see when I'm seeing these Twitter wars is somebody who's either gift is not conformed or is conformed to the pattern of this world, not transformed, Right, attacking someone whose gift might not be right transformed, but it's conformed, or some variation of all of that. And so that's, this Romans 12 thing becomes very important, so that if I see somebody who speaks really forcefully, who might lead their company with uh, confidence, and I guess I'm just going to say his name, Dave Ramsey, has been just absolutely crucified on Twitter and in the press. And look, I don't know if what he said was nice or not, but that they're not crucifying because he was knocking boots with his secretary. They're they're saying because he was mean. That's really what it right. is. Now is that a, just a is he being mean or is he being a visionary with some parts of his heart that maybe aren't as transformed or could be more transformed here unless it's conformed here, probably. Uh, and if I had someone writing an article about me, they would do the same thing. They could find every problem, and Mo could probably be the secret source of how big of a pain <laughs> in the butt Darren can be. On the conformed parts of his person, of the conformed parts of his, you know, gift that has not been transformed, it does cause me to be, I, I, in fact, I remember this, you might not, I was, we were trying to make some decision and I was listening to somebody else, this has been a couple of years back now, three or four years, and and then I was like trying to learn this and you, you, you at some point said some version of, are you ever actually going to know enough for this? Like at some point, when do you... Right. Just yeah. make the decision. And I it was before I really had any language for this, but that was just an untransformed part of me. As long as I getting information and not making a decision, then I'm pretty safe.
0: Right. You can just live there and
1: gathering the information. And say that I'm being responsible with it. <laughs> like yeah. saying I'm being a good leader because I'm I'm trying to gather all the information. But at some point you you got all the information there is now. Right. Go ahead and land the plane. But God, I've talked a long time on this. I, these seven gifts, when they are fully transformed, renewing of our minds, we can get a lot done together. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about our relationship in the last ten years, yeah, like we've both grown a lot, and get—I mean,
0: being honest, we got—we got a lot done this last year, right? Yeah, so this past year, obviously, so like for everybody else, was a a year of just unknowns and having to make decisions, not knowing what the next week would even entail, or the next day. You know, our <laughs> beloved Governor Lee was signing executive orders, seemingly, like every 24 hours on what you can or can't do. Um, and, you know, so we're in a new year, a new season. It's hard to believe it's been almost 12 months since the first edict came down about any of this. Um but what I think is really cool is that these seven gifts as represented in our staff, and in fact you you know, you wrote you wrote a chapter about that. You devoted a chapter to to kind of how we handled this yeah. past year in in having those seven gifts deployed. Um yeah, it's brought us closer together. It has there's been a a unity um, we've understood where each other is coming from, our strengths and weaknesses, wrapped and cloaked in humility so that we can work together. Yeah. And that's, it's been a really beautiful thing, not without its challenges, not without, you know, hard conversations and oh hurt Lord, feelings yeah. along the way. Yeah. But, but all for the common goal and um, for kingdom work. Yeah. And that, um,
1: that verse three of Romans 12, you know, he's like, for, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, it's almost like Paul saying, because Paul's like, this is 35 years, 30 years into his ministry. Wow. So by comparison, I'm 10, right? Yeah. I feel like I'm just starting to figure some dumb stuff out, you know? And <laughs> so now he's like, Hey, by the grace given to me, like for the last 30 years, I've, you know, I've figured some stuff out. Like when I did that whole thing with Barnabas and I was like, John Mark's an idiot. And like Who knows what all was on his mind? Right. But by the grace given to me, I'm saying to every one of you, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Yeah. Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And I think that one sentence is what, if, if there was anything that would differentiate this from any personality profile on the planet, is that sentence. Because... Personality profiles say, this is what's wrong with you. And here's how, if you work hard enough, you will figure it out and you'll fix yourself. And it just doesn't sure. work that way. White knuckling, you know, behavior modification. He's not saying that at all. He's saying in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Yeah. And the faith that he's distributed to me says that, look, I'm a sinner that needs Jesus in every inch of my body. I am a, uh, I am so... Toxic, right? That nothing short of the death of the Son of God could save me. Like, that's pretty bad when you think about it. Like, so on the one hand, if without the gospel, then I could think pretty lowly of myself, right? Which is that I'm a worm, I'm, you know, a mess. But the gospel doesn't stop with that because it says that then He did it, Hebrews 12, He did it for the joy that was set before Him, He did it gladly for us. So that also then helps my self-esteem to say that for God so loved Darren that he did that. So it wasn't that I was so bad that I'm worthless. It's so bad that, but I was also so loved that he would do it. And with that faith that he distributed to each of me, then I can look at myself and think, he created me exactly like this. And in those places where where I, I need him in this, I need somebody else here, I then without any shame can say Mo could you help me think this through right like what am I missing on this I can say to Shannon uh, how are they gonna feel about this how you know how are they like a lot of the the things we experience in our staff meetings is uh, guardians putting together the systems right and collaborators saying yeah but this is how that system feels sure with it and both are necessary Right. And so it allows us to think not more highly or more lowly right. according to the faith given to each of us, and that faith is the saving faith of that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus did die for the atonement of my sins so that I am not a worm anymore. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's like the gospel. It's like, it's why Hinduism, Buddhism, they all fall short because they don't allow a this complex self-esteem, self-confidence, Buddhism, if I just work harder, right? The the, the last words of Buddha before he died was was strive, right? And Jesus' last words were, it is finished, man. Give me Jesus all day long on that. And that's what this faith gives us. And it's why this is the first of the three of the triple threats. And it's why we start here because it is the foundation. And we all have one of these that Jesus wants to blow the dust off of, carve away the stuff that is shame that's on top of us, and allow us to stand and think exactly the sober judgment of who I am, which is I am Darren Tyler, the discerner teacher with no shame attached to that. It's exactly who God wanted me to be. And so as we wrap
0: up Romans 12, we jump to first Corinthians 12 Mm -hmm. starting next Sunday and kind of want to tee up a little bit what next week's podcast will contain. And that is um, fellow author, (laughs) <laughs> uh, Tony Cook, oh, that's great. Uh, you're now an author, Darren.
1: I know. Um, I got to put that on my Twitter handle.
0: Yeah. So Tony Cook is going to join us, and he's going to talk about the miracles of the supernatural. So we're going to jump right into. Yeah.
1: It. Well, so here's what Tony's going to do. Uh, his book is actually "Miracles and the Supernatural Throughout Church History." Okay? okay. Yeah. And for those of you all right you're listening right now and you're thinking well that's this that's it i have to find another church they're, they're, gonna, they're gonna get weird on me at least listen to what we talk about and then like then leave the church over what we do say not what you think i'm gonna say you know okay. or or maybe you'll be surprised right and because what i believe and what i hope and desire is that it seems throughout most of my church life that we you've had word churches which were very strong word and you've had spirit churches which are very strong spirit but they aren't necessarily the same Mm-hmm. And I want like a word and spirit thing. Cause I think, I don't say I think that's what Jesus promised, but that's right. Tony start, he goes literally all the way back to polycarp, Irenaeus, like literally all you know, through Martin Luther, John Wesley, 1800s, and basically talks about supernatural and Augustine. I've read Augustine. I didn't know that that dude had a charismatic bent in him, but he, there's things he's writing. You're like, demoniacs and stuff that like we, we, you know, we tend to just not think about, but yeah. everybody that quotes Augustine, you're quoting a guy that believed in the supernatural and Tony, you know, he's got it all annotated and he's done great research on it. So we're going to be great talk about that. And then I'm going to ask him some questions about what we think even in modern times, uh, the, the, the spirit gifts. And, and, and in my opinion, some places where that's gotten a lot of people in trouble, um, even in this last you
0: know, political season. Sure. Sure. So if you, if we could give out homework It would be to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Yeah, actually 12, 13, and 14. So once you get done with chapter 12, keep going. Yeah,
1: and here's why. Because in the middle of that is love. 12 talks about the spiritual gifts. 14, he talks about tongues and spiritual gifts. And 13, he talks about love. Right in the middle. Right? So 1 Corinthians 13, right, is uh, the meat on a love sandwich. Uh, sandwiched in between the spiritual gifts. Like it's spiritual gifts. It's the meat of the spiritual gift sandwich is love. It's right in the middle of those.
0: Yeah. I'll never chapters. look at that chapter.
1: <laughs> I don't know that I would either. Maybe that's not the best metaphor. I'll come up with something different by, uh, by Sunday. But but that's the point of it all is that yeah. the, that love in the middle of all of that is, is of critical importance. It's why sure the fruit of the spirit is love not tongues. Yes. Um, we can talk about evidence of filled with the spirit but that's the proof of it right is is love. It's First Corinthians thirteen, uh, but we are. We're going to go into. There's nine gifts in First Corinthians twelve. Uh, I plan on asking Tony some of his thoughts on what some of those are. He's. Here's what I love about Tony. Uh, he's been around a long time. Okay, he is the most affable, nice guy, and he has been an uh, an island of sanity in a charismatic world of things. Lots of lots of Chaos. waves in that ocean. <laughs> but he's always been this real steady stream in it. And I've always respected that about him. And so I'm
0: excited actually to have him come hang out with us on the podcast. Awesome. Yeah. So that'll be next week, this Sunday, first Corinthians 12, the second of our triple threat. Um, Darren will be teaching and um, we're going to continue this series probably through right up until Easter. And if and just kind of a sidebar, if you hear any, rumblings or bangs or or uh beeps in the background of any of our podcasts of late and maybe even today it's because we are in the middle of a um an expansion project and renovation project of uh of our property here and of our building here which we're really really excited about and we hope to have this wrapped up in the next few months so we have moved our podcast room thank you to uh our little producer over here, Mr. Micah, uh, we've had to move our podcast room almost to a different room every week, every week I know. because they're working like right outside the walls. So if you could remember that in prayer, and if you want to know more about that, those of you that may be listening that are that are newer, you can find out exactly what this building is going to look like um, if you go to our website, conduitchurch.com forward slash next, N-E-X-T, and you'll, you'll see the layout and you'll see a, uh, a little video fly through of what this building is going to look like, look like. And it's all to make what we talked about earlier, a bigger impact um, to, to our community in front of us and the world around us.
1: Yeah. And the world around us, the community in front of us, it's all Jesus. It's all this privilege mm-hmm. we get to. That's what, what, I, what makes this the first of the three triple threats uh, of the three th- threats of a triple threat whatever is that Romans 12, the rest of this chapter talks about loving your enemy, giving kindness to those who right. are in need. And that's what we, these seven come together. That's the greatest thing we can do. And uh, we have continued. i have literally looking at it right now. It's, uh, while Since we've been recording, I've gotten three different messages with three different families that have been freed
0: wow. today from
1: slavery in that's Southeast amazing. Asia. And, and one of them, I'm kind of like, I guess... um I guess I can say it on here like the, I, the question was well why are there two kids missing in the freedom picture and what, what we didn't know was that two of their littles were ran over by oh, no. a tractor and, and didn't make it and that Aww. just happened like uh, a couple days ago so whew, so wow. this is this is real like this is real life yeah. like the, the family's free now but I don't know it makes me think if we could have done it a couple days earlier we just got to keep moving we can't yeah. uh, go with the what ifs but what we're doing here is quite literally saving lives our gathering coming together, inspiring, safe lives. So for you that have continued to like just be radically generous with our church family, uh, it is literally saving lives, and yes. we want to continue to do that. So we, uh, we'll continue to tell you those stories, but just continue to thank you for— it's not my money. It's not Mo's money. This isn't
0: noble. We're just a conduit of your generosity, Absolutely. and so we're thankful for that. If you want to know more about that specifically, Operation Freedom, you can find it at conduitchurch.com, conduitmission.org. And we would love to have you come visit us on a Sunday. Yeah, um, swing by. Three different service times. You can find out all the information um, at again our website conduitchurch.com, as well as our live stream at 10 a.m. Maybe you're listening from out of state. Tune in every Sunday at 10 a.m. Um, whether it's on our website or just simply go to YouTube. Simple link. Just search Conduit Church on YouTube. We stream live each and every week, and we're just thankful for those that listen and those that participate and join us each and every week. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and we are praying for each of you. If you do have a prayer request, you can submit that by going to our website or through the Church Center app. We've been telling you about the Church Center app. We ask that you would download that, find Conduit Church, and you'll see a prayer request link there, and we would love to hear from you. Have a great week.